This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. And now, Christ and Pop Culture presents Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining the conversation today. I'm Erin Straza, and with me is Hannah Anderson. We're your hosts for Persuasion, the place where fine ladies, rational minds, and the best kind of company gather to discuss all sorts of ideas and issues. Now, we're in the midst of our Talking About Talk series, and we're so glad to have you here with us today. This is our third installment already. And As we've done in really all of our episodes in the past, at this point in our recording, this is where Hannah and I typically have some kind of welcome opening chit chat chatter just to sort of set the stage and and to welcome all of you to the episode. And so, Hannah, this is where we would insert something of interest that's lighthearted, maybe something fun. And we're not going to do that today. No. We're not. Because that's dumb. <laughs> no. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Those opening moments of our conversation are the hardest for me. They are. Yes. They're very hard. I know. They come across as all lighthearted and easy and fluid. So smooth, I'm sure. And smooth. But for me, I find those opening moments of chit-chat and small talk just to be excruciating. I mean, you're not excruciating, Erin. It's just Thank the you. Work. I appreciate that. It's the work of opening a conversation. It's getting the ball rolling. It's right. so hard to know what are we going to say to to open up an entire show. And and it is a little bit stressful. Once we get going, it's fine, but it is a little bit stressful. And and just so you listeners know, we do talk about that. You'd think we would just, you know, dive right in and whatever comes off the top of our head, we'd roll with it. But no, we actually do say, hey, what's something fun we could talk about this week? That's a good connector between what's going on in our lives and what we're going to talk about on the show. Well, that scenario, that panic, (laughs) that um, fear really is what prompted us to create this episode in our series. We are going to talk all about small talk and how it has a place in our society, and yet it is still actually quite painful horrible. and sometimes very I think awkward. the word you're looking for is horrible. Small talk is, it is horrible. horrible. See, here's the thing. Last episode, we talked about how we learn conversation and how we learn to talk. And we learn in our families, right? For good or bad, we learn how to use ideas, how to communicate with each other, how to interact in a conversation in this place of home and family life. Well, one of the things you don't learn in home and family life is small talk because you don't need it. Like you're Mm -hmm. already in a place where you understand who these people are. You have your your common set of assumptions. Um, You have this fluid. It's almost like your life with these people is this continuing conversation. Yes. So you're not opening it. You're you're not 
doing like these warm up exercises, you know, mm-hmm. um, to enter into a conversation. You're just jumping in and out of the same one. And so I wonder if, for me, small talk is really, really hard. Um, I find it very difficult to meet someone, to strike up that conversation, to do the work at the beginning that would lead to, in my opinion, a more interesting conversation. And I'm assuming here that we all have this working definition of what small talk is. I mean, I, I tend to think of it this way, Hannah, like how we said, oh, it's the start of the conversation. It's the start of our episode. but. Sometimes it is the warm up. Like you said, sometimes you talk about something and then it leads into the next thing. But sometimes you are in a very large gathering where you know the entire night is going to be full of three minute small talk conversations, and that's it. And so you are really moving from person to person just to be friendly Not and me. nice. <laughs> I go You're to like, a large no way. gathering. I look for the most interesting person. I do about three minutes of small talk conversation with them. And then if it works, we'll have a 45-minute conversation and ignore everyone else. That's yeah, successful. I kind of do that same thing. But there are times when I've had to and go to these larger completely, and you do just have to have three-minute conversations and it's terrible. Yeah. And I know that's impolite to everyone else in the room, but that's my survival <laughs> skill. Right, right. <laughs> to survive, you must go off to a corner and have a really good one-on-one <laughs> conversation with someone. But but small talk, I mean, it is part of our day. I mean, you think about it moving through um, work or errands or um, running into a neighbor or something like that, where you have these small, short pleasantries. It's like these um, social kindness exchanges where you're you are acknowledging the person, asking how they're doing. I mean, th- that's the most common question, right? How are you today? And you always say, fine. <laughs> Maybe you try to give a different answer, but it's sort of like they ask you this and here's the right response. People don't know what else to talk about. So maybe they bring up something totally benign like the weather and you can talk about that for two minutes. Um, yep, we it, still it's have like it. you're looking still for something. Yeah, it's still out there. Yeah. But it's something shared in the moment and you can talk about it and it's there. It's an it's a ready small talk topic. Um, but this is the category that we're talking about here today is what's what is this category? Do we need it? Why is it so awful? So we're gonna cover all of those things. Um and, and like you said, Hannah, there may be ways to skip over small talk, but I thought first before we talk about if we should be skipping small talk, let's talk a little bit about this pain point. Um, you said it's it's horrible, and we've both said it's it's painful, but I want to dig into that a little bit more. And as I was trying to process why I don't care for it, when I come into these scenarios, I think... I want there to be meaningful exchanges and conversation. And very often small talk feels contrived or fake or like you say this and then I automatically say that. It's it's just the back and forth and it doesn't mean anything. And that really bothers me. Yeah. And I I have a sense that like I I have this belief that it has to be 
meaningful to people because it's existed. Like it is a function of society. So it's serving some purpose. But for the life of me, I can't figure out what it is. And <laughs> and this may even be somewhat regional. Like I've noticed since living in the South that people engage in small tech more with each other. Like oh, really? when, when I go to the grocery store, the cashier will want to have a conversation with me. And I'm just like, Please just scan my groceries. And, <laughs> and I try really hard because I do think there's a social expectation and, and the, the loss of it communicates something. Like if you mm. don't engage, it does communicate something even if you don't mean it to. Um, mm -hmm. And I even feel it at church, you know, like if you're there on a busy Sunday morning and people are rushing around doing their things and you're having this worship service and you see these people and you feel like, well, I need to say something, right? Mm -hmm. I, I need to acknowledge that I've seen them and I've expressed something. And so then for me, the pain point is – it doesn't matter what you express, just so you express something. Mm -hmm. and, and then I feel, well, if it's not meaningful, why even say it? Like, the, it's mm -hmm. almost like the social expectation is there has to be some form of conversation, regardless right. of what it is or what it does. And so to me, it feels like a place filler. Yes. You know, like, yes. work for the sake of work but not uh -huh. for accomplishing something. And uh, knowing how much I wrestle with the small talk and feeling put on the spot to come up with something, um, I at times can feel suspicious that others feel the same way. And then I want to relieve them of that burden by saying, we don't need to do that. <laughs> Maybe I'll just wave at you and be like, hey, I see you. And then, and then we can part ways or whatever but but we're we are not entering into each other's lives in any way like you said this must be serving some sort of purpose but i think this dual problem i have with it feels fake and then i feel suspicious that people also hate it and don't want to talk like and have these strange conversations like it's an obligation Right, right, right. And so then i think oh let's just not do that but but i i think that there is still a place for it and and we're going to dig into that yeah. as we go but but this is true that the the pain of it is what do these conversations mean are they needed are they contributing to anything that's greater and i think you're right when you bring up that some um let, let's say a region might be better at that small talk than or another worse. um i or Depending or worse on how and you use small talk Right, right. Or you're forced to do it more. Um, when I have um, talked with a friend of mine, her company has uh, an, a team located in India. And so they do a lot of um, video chats and, and training and team time, team time. And she said that as their company began working with this team in India, they got training on um, what's expected in terms of communication and, and social graces. And it's expected that you spend anywhere from five to 10 minutes chatting about other things before you dive into work. And so that was something they were coached on and it's expected and it's more like because it's not an option, it's almost like she's warmed up to it and really kind of embraced that 
that requirement. And it feels like, yes, this is what we do. Whereas I think I'm still wrestling because I think, well, maybe we don't have to. (laughs) And so then maybe if I would just embrace that, this is part of interacting with people in in your daily life. Maybe then I wouldn't feel so appalled. I wonder if for some folks, it's a buffer too. Like, um, I remember... 15 years ago, I taught um, American culture in the South mm-hmm. to um, expatriates from Germany. And one of the common illustrations we gave them is that um, people in the South, and if you're listening to this and you're from the South, please don't be offended. But the culture in the South is like a peach where it's very soft and you can press mm. all the way to the center, but then you'll hit a point where you have to really get to know someone to overcome and to get to them, like to to have a deep relationship with them. So you'll have this layer of social grace and mm-hmm. social conversation and small talk that you you feel like you're penetrating. You feel like you're having a conversation with someone, right. but then it stops. And on the reverse, they were explaining to um, the folks coming from Europe that, like, they were more accustomed to a German culture, and they called it a uh, a coconut, where it's very, yeah. very hard. Yep. But if you can break into the middle, then it's soft. So, like, there is, were just these cultural expectations of human interaction and human relationship, mm-hmm. and that worked in terms of conversations. And so I had students who would be very confused when they were interacting across culture with um, their colleagues from a Southern culture. And they'd be like, well, so-and-so said, hey, let's get together sometime, which you and I might understand as small talk. Right. And they took it as a literal invitation. And then when those plans didn't actually formulate, it's like, well, what's that about? And so... (laughs) In some respects, thinking about how small talk plays culturally, um, you know, maybe it is a way for us to create this buffer where we're still polite with people and we're still having conversation with them, but we we're still somewhat guarded in who we share our truest selves with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have the need for social bonds we, we need these ways of talking with each other that allow us to have some point of contact and meaning. Mm-hmm. But in and of itself, I, it doesn't establish those deeper connections. I know several people who I would say they are gifted at small talk. And, and even though I say that they are gifted in it, they are actually some of the um, most... I don't know, deep, thoughtful people I know. And so somehow they've been able to bridge this gap between I'm going to be this um, small talk person where I am engaged and I'm able to carry on this lighthearted conversation, but they are not holding people away from who they are. Um, And I'm not sure how they've achieved that skill. I don't know if it's a personality thing, but when I think about social contexts where I I feel a little bit on edge. I think of my friends who are good at this and I feel um, encouraged or inspired. And I think, okay, what, what would they do in this situation? How would they be engaging people in, in these 
lighthearted conversations just to try to fill that time and make it meaningful and enjoyable. Um, I found a research study, and I, I will have to try to find the article and get it linked up in our show notes, but it was talking through a study of um, when people choose to engage in small talk. And one of the studies was talking about on a commute. So let's say you live in a city and you're riding a bus or a train. And most of the people surveyed said they do not want strangers talking to them. Do like do not start a conversation with me, strange person. <laughs> and so they they hope no one starts a conversation with them. And so therefore they are not going to start a conversation with someone because they're assuming, well, strangers don't want to hear from me. I'm strange to them. But then they did this social experiment where people were required to go on their commute and engage in a conversation. And then they would track the results with all the parties and come to find out at the end of this, everyone felt so positive after someone took the first step just to be chatty about nothing in particular. It's not like they exchanged names. They didn't become Facebook friends. It was just friendly chatter and everyone's day went better. And and I think to me that gives me the the picture of can I, for the sake of someone else, lay down my sense of um I, I guess hatred towards small talk. Can I lay that down? And can I be or feel awkward? Can I choose to feel awkward in the hopes that I could make someone else's day feel a little bit better just by being chatty when I'm going about my business? Yeah, because as much as I profess my frustration with small talk, um, and it is deep and true, <laughs> I also know it's important. Like and I mm-hmm. think that's part of the the difficulty I have with it is I don't feel that it comes easily to me, um, but I also know it's valuable. I, I don't quite mm-hmm. understand why it's valuable. Like in my mind, I don't personally experience it as valuable, um, and and it may just be personality again. But I know other people do, and so right. there is this part of me over the years that have that's just had to give it the attention it deserves, not because I intrinsically enjoy it or find it valuable, but if I'm going to love the people around me, it serves mm-hmm. a purpose for them. Mm-hmm. And it serves a purpose for and, us. And I think it for you too. It does. Yeah. As a community, it uh-huh. does. Yes, it does. And my, and my I, ability to understand its purpose and appreciate it isn't necessarily the measure of whether it's valuable. Early on, when I first started exploring my desire to write, I had written some essays and um, I had gone to a conference and someone, I think part of that conference, you could submit your essays and get some feedback. And so the feedback I had received was that I was starting my essays in the deep end. And they said, it is like you have thrown someone into the deep end and you're expecting them to start in the midst of your ideas and you're making them tread water from the get-go. You need to ease them into your writing ideas. And, And so as I was processing that word of advice, the picture I got in my mind was that, oh, I... 
I write without a welcome mat. Like, I just think people are going to somehow be transported into my family room and we're going to sit on my couches and talk immediately instead of realizing, oh, I put out a welcome mat. People ring the doorbell. I open the door. I welcome them. Maybe I give them a drink. They take off their shoes. We get settled in and then we start talking. And so that picture also helps me with conversation where, um, I want to get to the point where we're sitting on my comfy couches and we're talking about everything under the sun, but you don't just transport there. You have to get there and you have to move there. And it's also nice when you move there with snacks and a drink and that all takes time. And so I think of that with conversation, like how can we move to the conversations that I would love to have with someone? And that just takes some effort, even though you don't want it to. It does. And it requires building a level of um, trust with people and a level mm-hmm. of um, just familiarity and even um, commonality so that mm-hmm. part of small talk, I think, is identifying where are our points of commonality? Where do our lives intersect? Mm-hmm. Where can we then use those points of commonality to move into deeper things? And I think maybe my frustration with small talk has more to do with the fact when small talk is, uh, it doesn't reach the goal, you know? Oh, like, sure. so mm-hmm. you have small talk with the same people for 10 years and you never move past that. And that may be the point of frustration for me. It's not just the small talk itself. It's that it's not building. Um, and maybe our lives aren't designed for that. You know, some of it may be that we live somewhat isolated lives and we're not living in a space or in a way that we would see the same cashier every time we go to the Mm -hmm. store, you know. Mm -hmm. So so the people we encounter as we're running errands or doing our business um, have less relationship tied to them. So they do become just fixtures in our lives. And we encounter them once maybe. And so the small talk is never allowed to grow into something deeper. And so it feels like we're meeting all of these random people and we're having multitude of random conversations and small talk over and over and over again, because as a symptom of the fact that we have not moved into relationship with them. That is really convicting because it it requires you to see the kind of the wonder of people around you and knowing that they have a whole world you know nothing about and they're not just the cashier they're not just the the person who you pass at the bank i mean it's not just that it's it's that they have a whole world and are you willing to engage with them and invest the time even if it's just a minute and i think this kind of ties back to me feeling like oh is this is this going anywhere? Is it fake? Well, it's not fake if I see them as the wonder that they are. They're a person with so much that I could learn from and and so much that I could enjoy to get to know if I would just in a minute say something. And and sometimes I worry about that too, where I think, oh, where is this conversation going? Is it going to take too much time? And really, these conversations don't take that long. But if you have them a little bit at a time, it is investing something and it is it can move somewhere. Um, and, and really, all of this comes back down to... Um, you know, Jane Austen, who really has all the wisdom in 
in everything roads, with relationships lead back to Jane Austen. To Jane Austen. <laughs> and this is one of my favorite exchanges from Pride and Prejudice. I'm going to read this because it is such a good fit for our conversation on how do we become more adept at, at having the small talk. So here's the setup. It's a conversation between Mr. Darcy and Miss Bennett, Miss Elizabeth Bennett. They are um, at a social setting and she is playing the piano. Here's how it goes. I certainly have not had the talent which some people possess, said Darcy, of conversing easily with those I have never seen before. I cannot catch their tone of conversation or appear interested in their concerns as I often see done. My fingers, said Elizabeth, do not move over this instrument in the masterly manner which I see so many women's do. They have not the same force or rapidity and do not produce the same expression. But then I have always supposed it to be my own fault because I will not take the trouble of practicing. It is not that I do not believe my fingers as capable as any other woman's of superior execution. Darcy smiled and said, you are perfectly right. You have employed your time much better. No one admitted to the privilege of hearing you can think anything wanting. We neither of us perform to strangers. So in this exchange, here we hear, oh, sorry, let's start that over. So in this exchange, we see Darcy being really called out that he has not been as engaging in social graces and in small talk as Elizabeth has been. And and they're talking about their friends and the conversations that have been going on through this whole novel. And she calls him to account and says, hey, the reason why you may not be good at this is because you're not bothering to try. And, and that's convicting, but in, of course, a really warm way where you see these two characters and you know, in the end, they're going to grow and it's going to be better. But if someone said this to you, wouldn't you just feel a little bit sunburned? Like, oh, ouch, you're really just hitting it right on the head there. Yeah, but I think it's true. And, you know, despite everything negative I've said about small talk, it has come down for me of just learning how to do it and and mm-hmm. believing its value. And if I can't engage in it naturally and easily, that doesn't give me an excuse not to do it. What I have to do is right. find the mechanisms that allow me to enter into it and survive. <laughs> so, right, so I have right. found certain mechanisms um, to make small talk beneficial to other people to to let it be a form of care and consideration and love and also amazingly to escape the pain I feel of having to reveal too much about myself. So <laughs> you can take point, it just so right. far. And one of right. the, one of the best things I've learned is to just ask questions. Yeah. To to show interest in the other person and, and not to pry and not to, um, you know, force them to carry the weight of the conversation, but to just extend that human courtesy of interest and the validity mm-hmm. that your life matters and you have significance. And, and one of my favorite questions to ask folks around here 
um, because it makes a lot of sense in our context is when I'm getting to know someone for the first time and I'm doing all that small talk is to ask about family. And especially if they're a certain age, I ask if their grandchildren are nearby. Do your grandchildren mm-hmm. live close? Because that's either a point of joy. They're going to say, oh, yes, they're here and I get to see them and this is their age and this is where they go to school. Um, or if they live far away, then I can also commiserate and say, yes, my children's grandparents live far away too. My parents live mm-hmm. far away. And so I think it's not that small talk um, has to remain impersonal. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, sure. If we talk about the weather, we're performing the function of small talk without actually caring for each other. No, and you can still have small talk that doesn't get so deep and press people so far, but also serves and validates their lives. I agree. And part of the reason why I was excited for this episode is that I do hear so often people talking about how difficult small talk can be. And I'm hoping that our conversation here today is an encouragement. And first of all, let people know they're not alone and we're all in this together, but to kind of elevate that sense of what is the point of it and is there is there some good that's coming out of it? And I think that there can be. And so we hope all of you out there, we hope you're encouraged. Um, and, and really, that's going to be it for this part of um, our discussion on, on small talk. We have more episodes lined up for this series and talking about talk. If you haven't listened to the first two episodes, though, um, Let's Talk is the first one. Be sure to check that one out. That one lays the foundation for the series and gives the rationale for why we have moved into this series-based formatting for our shows. The second episode was Table Talk, all about the role of family. And, and how that affects our approach to dialogue. And of course, we would love to have you join this conversation and to talk with us. Hannah, do we have a question of the we day? We do. What is your number one survival tip for small talk? Mine is to ask questions um, of other people to show interest in their lives. What is your number one survival tip for small talk? Other than avoiding it, of course. (laughs) And you can come on out and share that with us um, at Twitter. We're at PersuasionCAPC. Or if you're um, a member of Christ in Pop Culture, you can join us in the members forum and we'll chat it up there. And thankfully for me, a lot of those conversations go far beyond small talk. Although we do have our fun um, with Mm -hmm. light conversations there as well. And head on out to the interwebs. We are all over the place now. We have a website, persuasionpodcast.buzz. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. So find us wherever your uh, social interests may lie. We'd love to catch up with you there. And while you are out on the interwebs, I think it would be wonderful if you go out and give Hannah some cheers and some love because her third book has made its way into the world. Hannah, we're so excited for you. Um, I have read this book one time digitally, and now that I have this book in paper, I will be reading again and marking it all up. Hannah, tell us the title. The book is called All That's Good, Recovering the Lost Art of Discernment. And I can safely say that while there are lots of illustrations and uh, metaphors and stories, there is minimal amount of small talk in the book. (laughs) 
Well, it is so good. We want to celebrate with you, and we sure appreciate your work in that. Um, we also want to say thanks to Jonathan Clausen. He produces our show and the other shows in the Christ and Pop Culture Network. You can find us at iTunes. You can give us ratings and reviews. We would love that. And we do appreciate all of you for listening to Persuasion, and we will catch you next time. You have been listening to Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Maiden Name. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.